You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. In this podcast, we go through part two of the recent webinar we did with Miranda Beeson on the top 10 phone skills for tackling the toughest patient questions. Again, I'm going to encourage you to listen to this. And if you want to watch the video version of this, you can find it in the show notes. Please share it with your team. We give you great advice to help you create a better practice and a better life. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you soon. This particular webinar is so crazy important. I know a lot of you budgeted an hour. We're probably going to go about 90 minutes because I don't want to shortcut these solutions. These are so critical to your success. So, Marina, I love this stuff so much because once a team member gets this and a dentist gets this, the magic starts to happen. And the solution one is a big one, too, because I could go off on each one of these. You got to remember, you're a dental pro. Every business in the world exists to solve a problem. You don't get 78 problems that are different every day. A lot of the problems are the same. So get really good at providing a solution. Ariel described this. She's another amazing coach that we have is like, you're going to start to recognize patterns with the problems that patients have. Well, one of them is I can't get a ride. Okay. You as a team member should be equipped with a very definitive solution. I like the idea of having a three by five card when somebody says, I can't get a ride. We have four solutions. Number one, I'll come get you. Number two, I'll send an Uber for you. And she even said, heck, I'll come. Can you ride a bike? And she was joking. But the whole point is- I used to have a patient who he rode his skateboard. His parents moved. He was 18. His parents moved out of town. He stayed in town and he would ride his skateboard to his appointments. Right. So if you're listening to this webinar, here's what I would say. Can I, I can't find a ride. That's going to happen a lot. It will. And it's, it might happen for larger appointments. I would do this. I, if I was working the admin team, I'd say, don't worry. I got you. I'll send an Uber for you right now. See how that's a very clear solution. They can't say no. I, and I wouldn't make them say no. And if they say, I don't want to take an Uber, I would say, this is a four hour appointment, Dr. Straub. It, I, I don't want to tell them you're not going to, I actually will come get you. I'll be there in five minutes. I'll bring you back. You'll be 15 minutes late for the appointment where you can still make it. You see how I'm not going to let you out of this four hour appointment. I'm More going likely to, than not, they're going to say, you know what? No, no, no. I'll just call my neighbor. My neighbor offered yesterday. I just didn't want to bother her, but I'll just ask her. Great. See you yeah, soon. It's, it's so <laughs> interesting. When you get good at this, you can help patients because they're often not giving you the real problem. They're giving you another problem. So be equipped with solutions to the challenges you get all the time. Key phrase number six, I am here to help you. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when it comes down to that, that solution, you've asked open-ended questions. You've gotten the information about what it is that their chief concern is, what they need, what they want. Um, There's a solution. I'm, I'm here to help you. Great news. I'm here to help you. And then here's what we can do to help. And so when you just talked about your example, they can say this, that exact thing of, you know, I'm really struggling to find a ride. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it today. Hey, I'm here to help you. This is not the first time someone's experienced that. Let's try this. And we provide a solution. Again, it's about the building rapport. It's about we're here to serve. So I'm not annoyed by you. I'm not frustrated by you. I'm here to help you. 
Let's do yeah, that. One of my one of my favorite phrases now is I got you. I love that. Yeah. People say it now a lot. I got you. And remember, people don't cancel on their friends. When you start getting good at this, they're going to feel bad. They're going to start to trust in you. The economy of your practice runs on one thing. It's called trust. And I'm here to help you. We'll find a solution. Even I even like this, Marina, I'm here to help you. Whether you stay here or not, that's going to be your choice. Yep. But I'm going to get you in to meet our doctor. She's an amazing dentist and an even better human being. If you stay here, great. Either way, I got you yep. type of a thing. Love so, it. Yeah. And then summarize how you're going to resolve their concern. Yeah, it's, it's just really important to make sure that once a problem has been solved, you've developed the solution, you know what the plan is, that it's that you summarize it, that you repeat it back. It's it's going to push into our, another area here we're coming to with around commitment. But we want to make sure that we have a, a summary in place to recap what we've decided, what we've concluded is the solution. You're on board. I'm on board. Great. We have a plan. Yeah. So skill number five is ask the right question. Skill number six is patient data management. Yeah. And I go ahead and pull up the bullet points on this one because they do kind of play into each other. A big one is, is we just want to make sure that we have the right information in our practice management software. This is one of the most kind of simple logistical parts of phone skills, but we want to, you know, identify who we're talking to, pull up their chart right away. Uh, hopefully we all have digital charts at this point. Sometimes we're still working with paper charts, but if we can pull it up right away. So we can see a bit of history about who it is that we're talking to. Uh, we talk a lot and act around patient's uh, identification. I'm going to be able to see, is this an A patient, a B patient, or a C patient that I'm talking to? Um, I want to confirm that their data is accurate, updated if necessary. If it's been a while since they've been in, and I see it's been a year or it's been a year and a half, you know, Joe, I see it's been a little while since you've been in. I want to take just a moment to make sure that we have all the accurate data for you. Are you still at this address? Is this still your phone number, right? Do they have an existing treatment recommendation that could pertain to their caller request? So perhaps Joe hasn't been in in a year and a half. And last time Joe was in, we recommended he had a tooth extracted on the lower right. And Joe's calling today with some pain and throbbing on the lower right. We can see that we've already talked about this with Joe and that there was already a plan in place. And we may be able to navigate what the most appropriate next step is without an extra step in the middle so that we can start working Joe into getting Joe out of pain and discomfort. And it's important to adhere to HIPAA. So again, making sure that if it's someone who's asking questions and it's not about themselves, that we can also access any information that tells us who we have the ability to share information with for that person. Love it. And then key phrase number seven, is there anything else I should know? Yep. And I think this fits into the data piece, but I also think this could fit in in multiple other areas of the phone call. But if we go through all of that, we make sure everything's updated. All this information is still still correct. You know, Joe, is there anything else that I should know? Yeah. And it might just be no, because this is a closed ended question. It might just be no, I think that's everything. But it might be like, oh, you know what I should tell you? I also had surgery about three months ago and I had a, a stent placed. Uh, yeah. That is really important to know. I'm going to send you a medical history update that may change the timing in which we help you with this problem. Yeah. Yeah. Another question that's the same question said a different way is what else would you like for me to know about you? I like that one because I'm like, okay, I got, there's a couple other things that are important to me or, you know, um, I'm a pilot. You know, I, the mm -hmm. people given the door, they will tell you some very unique things about them that become incredible trust builders or relationship builders as they come into your practice. So um, give them the opportunity to tell you something unique about them or something else that they're just dying to tell you. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a question that popped up in the Q&A that, that kind of can fit in there. So the question was, if your practice doesn't accept certain insurance or, or programs, how do you go about asking or letting them know that we cannot accept it? And I'm thinking about the situation with Joe that I just mentioned. And like, maybe Joe tells me like, oh, you know what I have now? I have, um, you know, MetLife insurance. I didn't have that before. Um, and, and maybe we're not a participating provider with MetLife. Joe, thank you so much for giving me that information and, and letting me know that that information had changed. We do have a different relationship with MetLife than we do with Delta, who you had before, 
Um, I'd love to share with you what the difference is for you and how that will look here in the practice. Let me go ahead and finish making sure that I'm on the right track for what it is that you need from us first. And so again, I'm going to set that insurance question right over here and I'm going to come back to it. I think it's really, really important that unless it's an insurance that you do not, you cannot file, right? Right. Like I, I can't file Medicaid or I can't file that because it's an HMO. You do in fact, you, you can, I should say, can take that insurance. And so I want to make sure that that's super clear, the difference between like we can or can't take it. If they have no out-of-network benefits, it's an HMO or a Medicaid that like, I can't even file that on your behalf. That's very different. That's something that you truly cannot take versus I'm a fee-for-service practice and I'm not contracted with any PPO plans. I can still take your insurance. So that's a yes. That goes back to our key phrase of yes, we do. Yes, we do work with MetLife. It's a little different what it looks like, but I'd be happy to share with you what that looks like here. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I love the question. And so I have three points to piggyback on what Miranda said so brilliantly is number one, if you've been listening to Miranda, all of the obstacles are the path. So when somebody gives you a big boulder, they teach this in sales training. I'm going to give you a huge boulder right now. You grab the boulder. You go, this is very important. And I'm just going to put it right here. I know this is really important. That's a really great visual for you to understand as a team member answering the phone. They're, you're going to get boulders all day. What you want to do is hold them carefully. Go, yes, this is important. Let's set this right here. And can you tell me your name first type of a thing? That's number one, because that'll happen with all obstacles. Number two is even if you're completely fee for service, you have to be insurance friendly. Let me yes. say that again. Even if you're completely fee for service, you have to be an insurance friendly practice because you can't say the word no because people here, you're, you know, you're just, they're not even going to entertain it. And even the doctors we support that are 100% fee for service, seven out of 10 calls are, do you take my lousy yes. insurance? So you're not, people aren't going to call you with wads of cash going, Hey, listen, I know you don't accept insurance. I got a ton of money. Can you just prep all these teeth? And the That's worst not, thing you can say is no, we are not, we are not contracted with them. Right. And then stop. And then silence. Well, what do I do now? Well, you can look on the back of the card. There's a number or you can go online. Like what? Right. No, 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 no. We want to say yes. Even if we can't file it, right. You can still come here. Totally. <laughs> Like you can still come here, even if it is one that we can't take because we can't even file it based on the type of plan that it is. You're welcome to be a patient here. We would absolutely love to take care of you. What that means is we'd be very transparent with your fees up front. We'd help you find ways to approach investments in your care, um, but it would be your responsibility without the support of an insurance benefit plan. But you're yeah. welcome to come here. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the great practices we coach, they use the phrase unrestricted provider. And I love that. Mrs. Jones, let me explain what we are. We are an unrestricted provider. Now that's for a different webinar because I could describe the nuances of that. Then it'll be two and a half hours. Oh my gosh, this thing will go on forever. <laughs> you can see we love this stuff. So keep showing up. Like I love this stuff so much that when your team gets a hold of it, it will make magic in your practice. Now, the seventh skill you have to have is follow through. This is really weak in most practices. Tell us it about follow through. So important. When we talk about trust, we will again break a chain in trust if we commit to something and say we're going to do it and then we don't follow through. So do what you say, offer efficient action and then do it. If you don't know, say that you don't know. Do not provide an answer that's off the cuff, shooting from the hip, just kind of rolling with it. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. And I'll get back to you within 24 hours with that answer. But then just like the point number one says, if you say, I'm going to get back to you within 24 hours with an answer, you're going to do it. And I wouldn't, I would caution people on as soon as I can, because as soon as you can might be three days from now and to a patient, it's an hour from now. And so I would give a specific time frame that's relative and relevant to what it is that you're getting back to them for and then do it within that time frame. And you want to con confirm that you've resolved their concern. So once you place that timestamp on it or this action item to it, does that resolve the concern? Is that going to work for you, Mrs. Jones? What else could I help you with, Mrs. Jones, aside from that? Just making sure that we're getting a, you know what? I think that's everything, Miranda. Thank you so much. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll just add in addition, because this is all great stuff, is the true nature of what happens up front is it can be chaos. Chaos. And you as a dentist, if you're listening to this, this is why systems are so important. And one big piece that we as coaches do is make teams develop systems. And what I mean by that is that you have these scenarios and there's nothing better than hearing an admin team member say, right after this call, I'm going to email you I'm going to send you an email and it's already been created. They're not uniquely coming up with solutions all the time, all day long. That would burn me out if I worked for you. I got to figure out what to do and then I got to put it all together and then I got to email it or send it to the patient. Get me out of here. Like you should create really well-designed systems that make the team member, it should take 60 seconds for me to send that to you. Yeah, click of a button. Think of it. If it, could you imagine, I call your office and you go, these are great questions. Now I'm going to schedule with our doctor. I'm also going to get you scheduled for hygiene. And after I hang up, you're going to get an email from me and it's going to explain everything we discussed. I'm already thinking you guys know your stuff. Like you really know what you're doing. That's why systems development helps with follow through. So make sure you support your teams with great systems. Love so it. eight skill you have to have to be really great up front on the phone is commitment and confirmation. And this is another one of my favorites. So I want you to share your thoughts. And then of course, I'm going to add my thoughts. Yes. And not confirmation, like confirmation calls, right? <laughs> We're not talking about confirming appointments, commitment and confirmation that we've solved the problem, that we have a plan. They agree and know what it is that we've you know, we've scheduled an appointment. We all are in agreement that this is a commitment that we're making within our schedule. So number one, first and foremost, is we want to build an efficient schedule for the office first. Before any of the rest of this comes into play, we want to have really intentional scheduling built out for the office first. And you talked about systems for your admin team so that your admin team knows where I schedule a crown where I schedule a new patient, where I schedule an emergency. And so it's not this crazy chaotic, like 10 minutes of like, well, what about this? And what about that? Super easy, clearly displayed right in front of your administrative team member that this, we don't see emergencies at 4 p.m. We don't do that here. Now we don't have to say we don't do that here. What we would say is we help our emergency patients at 12 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays and at 1030 on Wednesdays and Mondays. Which of those works best for you, patient? And so now we've just kind of built a couple of these in together, but we're gonna put them where we know it fits our schedule best because we've designed that systematically and it's we don't have to guess. It's right there in front of us through efficient block scheduling. And then we're gonna guide them to that appropriate time because we know where the best time in our schedule for our team and for our doctor is and then we're going to provide them with an alternative choice. And that's what I did just a moment ago with helping that patient to still be in control of the outcome, but we're still going to help them end up where we want them to be. Right. So they're still going to be in an emergency block at either 12 on Tuesdays and Thursdays or at 1030 on Mondays and Wednesdays, but they get some level of control over that by deciding which of those options they prefer. Okay. Can I pick you Cause I'm going to go off on this one. I want to help you if you're listening. So just take this as help. So Please never, ever, ever say the phrase, what works for you. Don't right. ever say that because it screams. Saturday don't mornings doubt. at 9 a.m. Oh my gosh, Oh, please. we don't do that. Okay, Fridays. Oh, we're not open on yeah, Fridays don't, don't say what works for you. And then the alternative choice, I agree. It is proven that patients feel powerful when you give them two choices. But whoever's teaching this should be banned. Like, don't ever ask a patient, do even do mornings or afternoon work for you? That is, that is not, don't do that. Two choices well, are this. I will say this. Now, the only exception to that, Kirk, might be if your practice had, say, someone scheduling a crown or a new patient, and you have a morning appointment for new patients available that week, and you have an afternoon appointment available that week, that would be, you could very well say, to play devil's advocate, what do you prefer, mornings or afternoons? Because you do have one of each. But right. if you only see new patients at the beginning of the day and you ask someone, what do you prefer? And they like four o'clock. Well, now you've set them up for failure. So I think that like specifically this or that, but yes. just like, when would you like to come in? Right. 
Totally no. agree. Listen to Miranda first. Don't listen to me because I've been doing this way too long. And so I've watched people just schedule themselves with silly schedules. And sometimes and then, people will say, I really like, I really like morning appointments. Great. Right. What does morning mean to you? Right. Because now, we start at seven, but morning for you might be 11. Right. Now, what's really fun about this is we can embrace a little candor here. And so I'm going to play the front desk person who's a little bit different than Miranda. Not as good, but just a little bit more like I'm going to protect the schedule with my life for the next seven days. It's my job. I'm going to make sure these patients are all in the right place. So I'm going to be a little bit more heavy handed probably and say, I am going to give you two choices, but they're going to be my choices. Yes. Dr. Straub likes to do his crowns. He, I either have Monday at 8 a.m. or I have Tuesday at 9 a.m. Bam, two choices. Yes. Those are my choices because I've got to protect his time. My job is to protect his time and make sure that these days are predictable. And so I totally agree with what you're saying. And, and I think I, the, I'll say what people are probably thinking and what they experience, because I've experienced myself is, but then what happens when they say, I can't do mornings, mm-hmm. I can only do afternoons. Okay. What do you think? Because now yeah. if I'm not a strong administrative team member with confidence in, in this yet, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to dig through the schedule and try to see if there's an afternoon that that looks like maybe I could make it work. It's outside of the block, but like they can't do mornings. No, what I would say is I completely understand where you're coming from. Other patients have felt the same way. Um, What I can do if it works better for you is look another week or two out to give you more time to prepare your schedule for having the morning here with us. But I do, I do have crown appointments at seven and nine and those, that's really where we're at. So if going two weeks out helps, that might allow for you to have a little more time to have flexibility in your schedule and plan things. How does that work for you? You will see this right now. If you're a dentist listening that you would fire me and just hire Miranda and she would do a much better job. You did a great job, but it was perfect. But people will go, but that's what they do. Well, I want to come in tomorrow. That's another question that people will often ask with the same concept is like, well, that's two weeks from like, maybe your, your next available is three weeks out. That's three weeks from now. I don't want to wait three weeks. I completely understand, but doctor's going on vacation. And then we have a hygienist out and, and the patient's like, I don't care if he's going on vacation. That's that I have a toothache instead, simple phrase. We're, I, I completely understand we're fully committed until the date I offered you. However, I can put you on a priority list. And if something becomes available sooner, I know you're eager to come in. We'll give you a call right away. Fully committed is a perfect phrase. I just, I have a pet peeve. We talk about being candid about telling people that the doctor's on vacation. Mm-hmm. Granted, doctor deserves the vacation. <laughs> I do believe in that. But I think we have to just, our schedule is fully committed. Even if there's blocks open, this is what people struggle with, with block scheduling. And then we have to move on or we'll have a two hour podcast. Uh, Even if people struggle with block scheduling, um, they're going to see like, I do have time open though. I know I have this emergency and my emergency block is already full for today, but like that primary tomorrow is still wide open. I could put it right there, but it's not a primary, right? I'm not supposed to put it there. No, we have to look at that block time as if it's fully committed. It is not an option unless it's that type of dentistry. And so the easiest thing to remind ourselves is the blocks, even if they're open between now and three weeks from now, your schedule's still fully committed. You're good. That's the phrase. That is so good. Now, again, you guys, we love this stuff. So there'll be more and more education on the specific phrases, but this stuff is verbal skills matter. um, But this is more about the thinking and we're incorporating verbal skills. And then also, Miranda, tell us about reducing cancellations through building value and repetition. One of the biggest issues is cancellations in anybody's schedule. Short notice, same day changes in the schedule. It's a problem for every dental office ever. And so the more that we do these steps that we've tackled so far, all the way through one through seven, and then we uh, commit, summarize, reconfirm, allow them to make the choice in terms of where they end up in the schedule. All of these things combined are going to reduce the cancellations because we've built value, we've built rapport, and we've repetitively confirmed with them over and over the commitment to that time that we've reserved. And expectations should be clear around the reservation from the jump. 
And we want to repeat, repeat, repeat. You'll, uh, when you do a self-evaluation, when you're listening to your calls, like I would listen for yourself. Did I say three times the date, the time, and the amount of time they're going to be here? To me, like a minimum of three times. November 14th, 9 a.m., we'll see you for two hours that day with Dr. Awesome. Okay, Joe, remember, two hours, November 9th, at nine, or 14th at 9 a.m. with Dr. Awesome. We want to repeat it over and over and over. And maybe your third time is, so you got that appointment time. What was it again? Uh, nine o'clock. Perfect. I have that as well. Nine o'clock reserved with Dr. Awesome. And you're going to lessen the risk of cancellations because they've made, like you said, a commitment to now you, their friend that they trust and have built rapport with. Yeah, I would need it seven times if I was a patient in your practice. So that is so good. I totally agree. All right. And then the ninth skill is you're going to have difficult calls. You will always have to embrace difficult conversations. So that's a skill set that you have to develop. Yeah. And with these, uh, we won't go into the the verbal skills and the skills practice and role playing. We can do that on a future um, webinar. But the most important thing is that angry patients or irate callers, they just need to be heard. They just want to make sure that their concern is validated and that they get it out, right? So just stay calm. Try not to take it personally. Remind yourself, this is just the process they need to go through. Listen, and then listen some more, and then listen a bit more. And when they're done, they'll be done. But you have to, you have to listen. It's going to feel like you're just taking it on, but just like, don't soak it in, right? This isn't a personal thing. They just have to get all of this off their chest in order to feel. And you can just, I hear you. What else? Right. I, I hear you. Oh gosh, sorry to hear that. Tell me more. And they're going to lay it all out there. But you know, if you're approaching this intentionally, oh, this person's upset. I know I'm going to have to let them talk it out. It's easier to not absorb it and take it personally. Just let them listen. Encourage, uh, just listen, let them talk. Encourage them to talk more encourage them to talk more and then identify the desired resolve at the end. When you feel it trailing off, there's not a whole lot more for them to vent about, you know, what are they really looking for as a result of this call? And you just ask them that I'm here to help. What are you hoping to get out of this call? Yeah. And I just needed you-, you to hear me. Great. Yep. I did. <laughs> so important. And I'll give you some anecdotal data that we've just noticed is that if you're fielding a lot of these, you have to learn how to deal with them. But as you work with a great coach like Miranda or any other, and you start to develop systems, you should be able to make promises with patients and keep them more often. We talk about, you mentioned E minus R equals C, expectations minus reality equals conflict. A big part of what we do as coaches is develop systems around the vision of the doctor so that promises are kept with patients, expectations are met with reality, thus lending itself to less desirable conflict-based calls. And so there should be a downward trend. To not have a downward trend forces burnout because these just get to over and you start making false promises to patients saying, I'm sorry. And you just say to yourself, you as a team member taking too many of these, say to yourself, this is never going to get better. Well, good point you just made too, is you're not going to have as many of these if you're doing a really good job at E minus R equals C. If you're setting clear expectations, you have systems in place to mitigate the, you're not going to have as many of these yeah. calls. If there's a lot of these, maybe that's step one is re- reevaluating our systems and the expectations that we're laying out there for our patients. And then what about sending this information to leadership? I mean, every now and then it ju- it does just, it's beyond what I can do, right? I'm the patient relations coordinator. I'm the receptionist in your office. I'm great at these calls, but I, I asked what the resolve is and, and there is no resolve. I'm, I'm going to probably need to escalate this up the ladder a little bit. We want that to be the last step or the last resort of taking this to our office manager or taking this to the doctor if we don't have an office manager. We don't want to just, oh, I don't feel comfortable with this one. I'm just going to have doctor call them. I'm just going to have doctor call them. Um, We want to do the very best that we can to have the confidence and the tools and the techniques to manage this first. But every now and then there is something that needs to be escalated in order to help them meet the needs or the requests that they have to resolve the problem. Most of the time, the patient just wants to be heard and they, I just want you to know, and I want you to tell Dr. Awesome that I, that I called and felt this way. That's not a problem at all. And actually what I'll do is I'll mark in your chart here that you prefer this, that, and the other. So that next time you come in, 
we can be more prepared to meet that need for you. And usually, usually in a situation like this, that's enough for them to feel like they care about me. They heard me. Best part, if you do whatever that is that you put as a note in the computer the next time they come in, now you've really rebuilt some of that trust that might've broken the first time. Now, every now and then someone's crazy. <laughs> Not a whole lot we can do with crazy, right. but most of the time it's someone who just needs to be heard. So well said. And skill number 10 is you have to navigate the cancellation calls. So the most important thing, and what I do hear quite often is, okay, so did you want to reschedule that now? So two things in that that I don't love. One, okay, no, it's not okay. And two, do you want to reschedule versus we're going to go ahead and reschedule? So we want to have a go-to response so that we don't just say, okay, we want to make sure that we stay in control of the situation. So one of the things that I say, you know, offering empathy, like, oh no, Kirk, Heather is going to be so disappointed that you're not going to make it to your hygiene visit today. She was just telling us at Huddle how excited she was to see you and to catch up. Are you sure there's no way you can make it? And that's just like how we respond to every single person that calls to cancel. We have a, oh no, I'm so sorry to hear that. Are you sure you aren't going to be able to make it in today? Because I know Dr. Awesome was looking forward to your visit. Yeah. I know you've already had to move this a couple of times and it was really important to you. Now, sometimes someone's going to then give you the next step of like, I really can't. I got called into a mandatory meeting at work. Like I legitimately will get fired if I don't go to the meeting. Like I feel terrible, but I just can't. And this is the next bullet point of determining if it's avoidable or unavoidable. If it's like, it's just really nice out. And I decided that I'm going to hit the beach today, right? Okay, that's avoidable. And they're telling us that they don't value us as much as taking the day off. But if their car tire blew out or their uh, dog has to go to the vet emergency appointment, their kid is homesick, puking, they didn't anticipate that. Like there's nothing we can do about that. That's legitimately an unavoidable reason for someone to cancel. And we would just... Uh, Again, not with, did you want to reschedule now? Well, I can understand that that's unavoidable. So let's go ahead and take a look a couple of weeks out and find another opportunity for you. Or let's take a look at what our next opportunity is and reserve that time for you now. Um, not leaving it open for them to possibly not reschedule. Now, if it's avoidable, this is where we come in with the cancellation fee conversation of have one, but don't use it. So I would say, well, I'm so sorry to hear that it is a beautiful day. I wish I could be going to the beach today too, Kirk. Uh, I tell you what, we do have a cancellation fee for broken appointments within 24 hours, but let me chat with Dr. Awesome. You haven't broken an appointment before. Let me see what he thinks about if he wants for me to charge that or not. Hold, you know, may I play show and brief hold? Hop back on. I didn't talk to Dr. Awesome. He's given me the authority and autonomy to make these decisions as an administrative team member, but I get back on and I say, Dr. Awesome just really wanted to let you know that um, he appreciates you calling and letting, letting us know. He is disappointed he's not going to see you today. And, and again, this is the first time you've done this. So he is going to waive that broken appointment fee. But please know that um, we do request 48 hours business notice prior to changes. So in the future, that would be really helpful so that we can recover that time. And so again, we're using it kind of as a threat. We're not necessarily applying it. I always say, and you always say, like, if we're going to charge a cancellation fee right off the jump, we have to be willing to lose that patient. Yeah, so it you're has gonna to be someone who has repeatedly broken your trust and the value in your care for you to say like this is happening. Yeah, and you're brilliant, and I'm just older, so I I think there's zero value in a cancellation fee. It's the fastest way to get a one star review and a scathing review from a patient, and you're not making any money on the seventy five dollars or one hundred dollars. It's not fixing the problem, and it's not fixing the problem at all. And so, just stop don't ever charge a cancellation fee. It's a waste of time and it's just collateral damage to your brand. Yeah. It's just what it is. And so it doesn't, I, it doesn't make for less cancellations. And ultimately no. what you need is less cancellations, not $55 when someone doesn't show up. Right. So I, Miranda said it so well, I'll add a couple things is number one, if I'm an admin team or I have the mindset, you're not canceling on me. I joke, but it's not a joke. If I work the front desk of your office, Oh, you try to call and cancel little boy. You're not canceling. You're coming in. You like I'm, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to let you kick me in the shins and reward you with a Snickers bar by saying it's okay. So that's my first thought. Second thought is on your message machine. This is the fast. I want to, the, the overall mindset and the skill set is if you're going to cancel, you're going to have to call me. 
And you're going to have to man up or woman up and tell me like you're going to cancel to my face. And so don't make it easy for people to leave a message on your machine. Your machine should say something. If you need to make a change, please call back during the day and ask for Betty. We're so glad to help you because people will wait until 505 because they went to Google, find out that your office hours are five and they call right at 505 and they go, I can't make it. I'm sorry. And then you see them at the football game drinking a beer and you're like, okay, so and, don't and email. Uh, a lot of people will try to just send email to cancel and you can have an automatic reply that goes out when you receive an email that just says like, thank you so much for reaching out to our team. Your message is oh. really important to us. If you are, you know, messaging us regarding an appointment change, um, please know that our, you know, we don't take cancellations over this email. We would need to talk with an office team member, so, something to that nature. I agree with you that like, you have to make it as hard as possible for someone to cancel an appointment and yeah. not hard. Like you're a bulldog and you're mean and you're not nice about it. It's just it. it like I said before, something I'm so sorry right. that, that something's changed in your schedule since you reserved this time with Heather. Yeah. Heather's going to be so disappointed. Are you sure there's nothing that you can do? Oh, what someone said here in the questions, like, what about sickness? We have a lot of that lately. There's nothing you can really do. No, there's really not. When someone's no. sick, there's nothing you can really do. The only thing I would say to mitigate that is schedule them for every like reschedule their appointment. Yeah. Like a lot of times it's that's that's the double side to this is try to salvage that as much as you can. But if you can't do reschedule the appointment and keep don't don't allow for it to just remain unscheduled because now the amount of legwork on the back end in order to recapture that person through follow-up systems down the line is going to be so much harder and people sometimes are legitimately sick and yeah. after covid it's been a lot harder because people found out like how much easier it is to cancel when you're sick and it just you know we might have years ago said oh it's just a sniffle our team wears ppe we don't do that anymore. Right. If someone's sick, we don't want them in the office, right? Passing that on to everyone else. So there is there there's that's the avoidable versus unavoidable cancellations. And that's what we have to think about around also how do we identify them as a patient A, B or C? If they're canceling cuz they're sick, there's nothing they can do. If they're right. consistently just not showing up cuz they forgot, that's another story. And we have to start putting them in a different category within the practice. Yeah. And for another webinar, that's why data is so important. You can keep data on this. There are people that value what you do and there are people that don't and people that don't will habitually cancel. And you already have that in your computer. So you can make decisions about not rescheduling them. And the big thing about a cancellation, this is so important is that, a, a, you know, a cancellation is not no profit, it's negative profit. And you're kicking the can further down the road and it's twice as hard and you already don't have the bandwidth on your team to equip your front desk team or admin team with another person. So you want to make sure that if these are made, and I also, I love how um, Dr. Straub has his team members, you know, say, oh, that was a three-hour appointment. Let me go get Dr. Straub and tell him you can't make it today. You'll be surprised by how many people go, wait, 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 wait. I think I can make it. So you just don't want to let them off that easy in that respect. So, and one more thing, the question earlier was hold. This is one where I actually think it is a great idea to put a patient on hold, especially if you got a lot going on at the front. Patient's trying to tell you something. They're trying to cancel a three-hour appointment and you got Missy standing right in front of you. You need to give your full attention to the patient that's trying to cancel for three hours. And so can I put you on a brief hold so I can give you my full attention is a great way to say you're going to go to the consult room and you're going to address this privately. And you also don't want Missy to hear what you're going to be yeah. saying to the patient um, for a lot of different reasons. So we just want you to be equipped with the right skills and thinking to succeed up front. And, you know, a big question comes with new team members. So Miranda, I got a new team member. So how do I support the new team member being admin up front? So there's a few ways and we'll run through these relatively quickly, but creating systems, you mentioned that if we have really specific systems, so specific is terrific, vague is the plague. That's what we say around act um, that help to create confidence and support your administrative team from day one to know what do we say up here? How do we manage cancellations? 
Um, what's the most important thing that I collect from a data standpoint for new patients in this practice? What are the different ways new patients come in? We have all of that documented and systemized so that they feel supported from the very beginning and it's not left up to interpretation. In the same way that we develop those loose scripts and we pass that along to those new team members as well as part of their onboarding so that they know that the way in which we conversate around these things with patients. Great to even have some recorded calls that are awesome that they can listen to to get an idea of what we expect things to sound like on the phone. And devise a plan for skills practice and interactive exercises. So role playing is another way to say that. And people sometimes don't like to do that, but the more comfortable you get handling a challenging question with your teammate in a practice scenario, the more confident you're going to be when that person's actually on the phone on the other end of the line, you know exactly what to do and what to say because you practiced it time and time again. Yeah. Two more things I'll just add. If you've never seen Miranda live, you got to see her live. So she actually does an entire workshop here at Act Dental in our divisional courses, it's incredible. So it's a lot of the thinking, the, the knowledge, the know-how. So if you have a new team member, even an experienced team member, it's so great to put them in the room with other admin team members from all over the country so that they're equipped. Think about it. It's a day and a half, and they're going to come back with the best training in the world on how to think about this at your front desk and things will skyrocket. Another thing you can do is just keep the link for this webinar. What a great training process for a new person in your practice. They're not gonna get this anywhere. Now, again, I'm partial. Again, I'm getting I'm a little cranky about it. I'm a big fan of this industry. I'm a big fan of education. There's not a lot of amazing education for admin team members. There's a little bit, but there's not like groundbreaking, incredible education that you could send an admin team member and they come back and they're going, this is amazing. I'm going to start making changes every day. Most of it is on really micro type stuff about how to file more insurance, how to do it better. So I think when you're equipped with great thinking, you can go really far. So I'm just a big fan. And then the other thing you can do is you can simulate scenarios. There are scenarios that happen. I'm a big fan of like, okay, in this scenario, now this is going to be practice vision based, but three by five cards are a great one. New patient inquiry. This is typically how it happens in our practice and you can rework it and work it again. And then you can schedule an appointment, like simulating these scenarios because playing the game and practicing the game are two different things. You can talk about it, but they got to, once they get thrown in, they got to be able to make it all happen. So speak to this, Miranda. Yeah. So I'm a huge firm believer in skills practice and having specific scenarios, uh, identifying, keeping a list of the things that you, you struggle with the most, bring it to a team meeting, calibrate together. It's the same concept. I'm a sports person. You know, I played volleyball. I'm not going to get as many kills in a game. If I haven't gone practice after practice, after practice, perfecting my approach and my arm swing, I'm not going to handle a new patient phone call as well. If I haven't practiced the different objections or questions that might come up during a new patient call. I, if I, if we practice handling an irate caller, right, my teammate decides they're going to call and be upset about something. I'm going to get a lot less emotionally flooded when it happens in real life. If I've had an opportunity to work through some of those feelings and questions ahead of time, and I just feel more prepared when it's game time, right? It's game on that person's on the other end of the phone. I I'm prepared at that point, to answer billing and insurance questions, to answer scheduling questions, to answer cancellation calls. Like those are those are things that come up every single day. They're not unique to any, it happens in every practice across the country, maybe the world. And we just have to get really good and really comfortable at knowing what do we say here about this? And, it, it, and I can't just give you all the answers because it is unique to your practice. You're gonna have, depending on the philosophy style, the style of practice that you have, but to a degree, there's a lot of similarities to how we want to approach these. And the most important piece is that you're aligned within your team. Yeah. And that if Susie answers the phone or Miranda answers the phone, that patient is going to have the same experience and it's going to be awesome. Love it. Love it. And we'll finish with this piece. You mentioned this earlier. Can you speak to, you know, listening to your calls and evaluating your own calls for improvement? I think it's great to develop a rubric within your office of the things that are really important to you that happen on a call. 
So this is just an example, a little snapshot of like the top of a rubric form, but it would be a new patient self-evaluation form where if I'm a administrative person in a practice taking new patient calls, I can have this sheet. I can listen back to a recorded call and I can check for the greeting. Okay. Did I use the right verbiage? Did I identify myself? Did I, did I tell them my name? You'd be surprised how many times you don't realize that you don't. Did I thank them for calling? Was I warm? Was I friendly? Did I follow that name number knowledge right off the jump? Objectives of the call. Did I clarify their concerns? And you can rate yourself in terms, right? As this shows you on this rubric, one is poor, five was exceptional. And then we go through, did I build comprehensive value? Uh, did I summarize and repeat the appointment at least three times, right? And so at the end, oops, at the end, you can actually score and grade yourself on your calls. And so you can use data to say, I am in fact getting better. Sometimes you would use this through training with a team lead or an office manager, but I'm a huge proponent of, of that self-evaluation. Uh, now you can sit down afterwards and talk about it with someone who's responsible for your onboarding, but I think it's so important to listen to your own calls, not just have someone else screen and grade your calls. So well done. And so I know some of you- So well thinking, done, except for I went way over time. No, and I hope you guys understand, like our vision is to bring the best so you create a better practice and a better life. And um, I hope you enjoyed that. We have so- truthfully, if we were able to do all that I wanted to say during this, this would be a four hour webinar. And I know you guys don't have the capacity to listen to us talk for we'll four be hours, back. but we'll be back. We will be back. But Miranda, any questions in the chat before we say goodbye to everybody? Uh, there were a few. So let's see. Um, let me scroll back up. Mm, that one we already answered. Okay. So this one was, uh, so do you never recommend filling the block one day before? I think that's from when I was kind of winging it with the scenario saying like, oh, I have a primary tomorrow and emergency doesn't belong there. Uh, valid question. What I usually suggest is that you determine what is the window of time in your practice that you would release a block to anything. So you would build, uh, we, we work with our teams to build scheduling agreements. And so if you have an ideal block schedule developed, you would decide as a team at 24 business hours out, at 48 business hours out, or maybe 72, we would release that block to anything. So if I have a, a periodontal block that's not full and we've agreed that at 48 hours out, that gets released to anything to ensure that we end up with someone in that spot, um, then yes, you are correct. Um, one day out is typically a short period of time. And the example, I was just kind of shooting from the hip and winging it there, but great question. And it's up to the team to agree and determine, uh, what that window would be. If you have a really awesome priority list, that's like lengthy of people that want to get in, you might be able to do 24 hours or 48 hours. No problem. If you struggle to fill short notice changes in your schedule, you might want to have it be a little bit longer so that you can be more prepared. Love the question. Um, this one said, asked about sickness. And I did mention that like, yes, like if someone's sick, it is what it is. Main thing being make sure we reschedule the appointment. Um, what if it's a common no-show patient? So that's a much bigger conversation, Mackenzie, but we often talk about, which I briefly mentioned a patient identification system in the practice where we can identify if patients are A, B, or C patients. And if someone commonly is no-showing, then they're going to be a C in our practice. And they may even be someone that we put on same day only and that we don't want to reschedule because we know the likelihood is really high that they're not going to show back up. Um, a couple of people asked about a recording after this is over. Yes, you will be receiving that. If you registered for this webinar, you should be receiving that. Um, and I don't have the whole self-evaluation sheet. Mike was asking if the whole sheet was listed there so we could scroll down and show it. And part of that is because I think it's so unique to the practice that you're in. I wanted to show you the concept of developing a rubric, but I think it's important for you and your administrative team to talk together about the things that are gonna be really important for you to highlight on your calls, because each practice is a little bit different based on your culture and the type of services that you provide. Um, but hopefully it at least gave you an example to lead from and to start from that could allow for you to um, collaborate together and figure out what might work for you. Um, they, someone did ask if it's a resource that's available and that we're willing to share. So I'll have to look and see if I can't make that happen. And if I can, I'll make sure that it does um, become available to you guys. 
Yeah, a big piece of this, you guys, and and again, I'll just reiterate, we love this stuff so much that we're going to keep bringing great education. So keep showing up, send your friends. You can expect the best education anywhere. I mean, this is, we're going to do our best to provide excellent information. Soon you're going to see uh, something called the BPA, which is the Best Practices Association, which is a great organization that we've developed of like-minded people that share great tips and great, um, just great stuff that you're like, that is so good. They share systems, we share videos, we share master classes, and that will be available shortly where you as dentists will be able to uh, be a part of it. And then your team members can also be a part of it, of it as you choose. And then to the top study club members, if you're a to the top study club member, you already have access to all of it. So all of these resources we're creating, we're saving them. We'll have an, a great organization place for you to be able to consume them right away or even further down the line as you bring new team members in. So we got you. We got you. I'm we want to be help. your one-stop shop for how to build an amazing, healthy dental practice that continues to grow in culture, alignment. We want you to be smart. We want you to have increasing more profits as you go. I want you to enjoy going to work. That's my number one thing. I want you to get out of your car, walk towards your building and go, I enjoy going to work. And we want to be a big part of that. So please send us a, you know, some of your suggestions that you guys want to see on education. We've got it lined up. Again, Miranda is our director of education. She's got education lined up all through almost all of next year. So we want to know what you want because we're going to bring it. So uh, again, if you're a dentist listening, you can join our two the top study club. I think the first one is already full in January or close to being full. So if you're thinking about it, come join us. You're going to love it. You're going to see it's great thinking, great education. So you love your practice. Any last thoughts, Miranda, before we say goodbye? No thoughts aside from I believe in everything that you just said. And like I said, if you have auxiliary team members that aren't doctors who can't show up to do the top, take a peek on our site at our other events because we have um, divisional events available that are unparalleled. And like you said, we are just wanting people to feel good about showing up and going to work every day and feeling like you make a difference in the most positive way. So that's what we're here for. We're going to keep yeah. bringing it. We're going to keep bringing it. One of our core values is give greater than get. We're just going to keep giving it to you guys. And if you're a dentist listening and you're just discouraged, you're like, I've been trying to do this. I just need some, and you just want some help. You can raise your hand. This is what we do. We're coaches. We have an amazing team of coaches that can help you out of the mud and start to create a better practice. Most of the practices we get aren't really broken. They're actually really good practices. They've just hit the ceiling where they're like, I don't know how it could be any better without me working twice as hard. And so our job is to help you through that and help your team through that. So um, dentistry is an amazing profession. Thank you, Miranda. Hey. And thank you guys for showing up and we'll see you soon. Have a great day, everybody. So there you have it. The end of part two of the webinar called the top 10 phone skills for tackling the toughest patient questions. I hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you want the video version of this and everything that goes with it, just flip up to the show notes and follow the link. You'll get a copy of the video and you can use the video in a team meeting so that you guys can all be on the same page as a dental team. So please check that out. So hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you soon.